Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Firewall Phoenix, aka Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host, he's got a mouthful of cavities and his soul's a bowl of jokes, it's Alpha Zero Nexus a.k.a. Micah. Yeah, those are our hacker names. <laughs> We're sticking you... <laughs> with our hacker code names from last week. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a good one, I think. We've got and, a lot of a lot of energy in that yeah. one. Yeah, and in case you haven't listened to that episode, this is Thor and Micah here. Those are our hacker code names from the Hackers film yeah, last week. That's, so yeah, just... Thor and Micah. <laughs> Can you imagine it's somebody's first time <laughs> listening and they're like... <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna immediately turn off the pod. Like, who the fuck are we listening to? Firewall Phoenix Firewall. and Alpha Zero Nexus. It sounds like some '90s hacker shit. <sighs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Thor. What are we jumping into today? How's how's well? Where'd that song come from? First of all, oh yeah, where'd that song come from? That's on this album that we're gonna be talking about today. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't song, it? There's a song called Mouthful of Cavities. I remember the and title. And that's the opening line. I remember the title it. of that song. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think you have a mouthful of cavities. I think you have very nice teeth. Thank you. I. Uh, as brush. far as your soul being a bowl of jokes, I'm not entirely sure what that means. So... It sounds a little offensive. <laughs> it does. It sounds very, it sounds very uh, derogatory. You know, um, a student said something to me. The other day, and I, it was honestly one of the most offensive things that anybody has ever said to me. She goes, she called you the N word. No, no, much worse. <laughs> um, she looked at me. She goes, Mr. Henderson. I'm like, yeah. She goes, you look like you got a face that'd be easy to draw. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Get out of my classroom. <laughs> what? what? What does that even mean? Your face, your face is basically. Hey, Mr. Henderson, your face basically looks like a bowl of mashed potatoes. Yeah, (laughs) one of them also called me an albino porcupine on on Thursday. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of fair. Yeah, I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? They said that they were going to Photoshop my face onto an albino porcupine photo, and I said, if you do that, be prepared for the repercussions, because. I'm taking the gloves off, kid. You're doing suicides. And they're like, it's not gym class. It is today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we're going to collaborate with sports uh, exercise science and also the criminal justice during their PT session. <laughs> Got a bunch of nerdy art kids. Hope you guys like running through tires and doing monkey bars like a bunch of terrorists yeah get ready that's the, what you're doing all day get ready for the push-ups and burpees <laughs> you wallflowers i love my students i do but man sometimes they get sassy well yeah yeah no and then that's when you gotta make them do push-ups yep that's i you know you know can't that, you can't do court you can't do corporal punishment punishment anymore yeah we can't get democrats <laughs> Can't hit our kids anymore. Come on. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> stop joking about that, <laughs> just in case somebody finds me online. Yeah. No. Obviously, just a little disclaimer from Thor here. Yeah. Firewall Phoenix. As Firewall you know. Phoenix. Yeah. 
please don't hit your children. Yeah, please don't. I'm not in favor of that. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a political statement. Don't hit your children. Yeah, and don't let your kids have a mouthful of cavities either. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about this album? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep. I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks. So today we are discussing the 1995 album from Blind Melon, simply entitled Soup. Uh, This album was released, uh, once again, in 1995. Uh, The band kind of came off their wildly successful first self-titled album uh, that, of course, featured uh, the single that most people know. I think you could be fair in categorizing them as maybe a one-hit wonder. Uh, The song No Rain. All I can say is that my life is pretty plain. You know probably one of the catchiest songs of the 90s it's pretty good and there's a lot of catchy songs in the 90s yeah i didn't realize that the name of that song was no rain Mm -hmm. but yeah i i really enjoy that song and up until you had me listen to this i could not have told you who sang that at all yeah and and on, on a completely separate note if you'd have told me, hey, there's this band called Blind Melon, there's no way in hell I would listen yeah. to them. <laughs> no, I get that. And honestly, here's the first thing I'll say about this album is I will say most people have probably never heard of it, much less actually listened to it. And for me, I think it's an absolute travesty. I, I think this album is really something truly special. Um, I So my God, uh, full disclosure... I recommended this to you. This is just one of those albums that I found. I didn't even find uh, a friend. My friend of mine, uh, when we were like 19 or 20, his name is Matt. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you listen, but if you do love you, he went to like the record, the local record store. And he just came home with this album one day. Hmm. And I don't know exactly why, what drew him to it. Maybe it was just the name. He was like, Soup, that's funny. And we listened to it, and I fell in love with this album. Yeah. So I didn't, I kind of knew a little bit about Blind Melon, about their story, not much. But once I started doing a little research for this episode, I kind of went down a rabbit hole, and their story and kind of this album itself and the lead singer, Shannon Hoon. Like all of it is very interesting. So I will do a little bit of an info dump in a bit. Okay. There's so much with this. Oh, okay. But before I get into that, I just want to say once again, I've just fell in love with this before I knew anything about the story. I think there is a really interesting story attached to Blind Melon and this album. But all of that is unimportant because the most important question is Alpha Zero Nexus, aka Micah, how did you feel about this album? Um, you know what, Thor, when you said that you had a a band from the 90s named Blind Melon for me to listen to, and the album name was Soup, I was getting real, like, 
Chumbawamba vibes. Um, cake vibes a little bit, which I'm okay with because I like cake. Okay. Thanks to uh, you. Well, honestly, and I think you could put them in a similar category with cake. It's definitely 90s alt rock. They both yeah. kind of fit that description. Yeah. So I was not sure what I was coming into. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or if I was, you know, I, I just wasn't, I, did, I didn't know. Okay. And I got to be honest, the first track, what is that? Galaxy? Is uh-huh, that the first Galaxy. track? From the beginning of that track. It, it's also kind of like an intro track. Yeah. So you get like, it's an unnamed intro track where it's like this brass, Louisiana brass band. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into like, gal- like it kind of cuts off almost like fun. Sure. Both of their albums, they start off with this kind of like overture. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, not really their style of music. And then they go into like their song. That's kind of what this is. Okay. Yeah. Well, once Galaxy started playing, I was hooked. Hell yeah. Man, it, <laughs> it's really good. Dude, Galaxy fucking rips. Yeah, it's really, really good. I uh, I liked this a lot more than I was anticipating. And I wasn't anticipating that I would dislike it. I just wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah, but I've also suggested Crass and yeah, Sublime there, there Robin too. the Hood. So, so, <laughs> so I get being a little skeptical. Yeah. Yeah, but when it started playing, I'm like, oh, no, I like this. And then as the as the album continued, I just there was a handful of songs that I was like, this is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I really liked this guy's voice a lot. Okay. this guy's voice is so cool. I wasn't sure how you're going to feel about it. Yeah, I was trying. And that's also because that's one of the things I know about you Mm -hmm. is singers are a really important thing for you. Yeah. And. Sometimes when somebody doesn't have like, like a traditionally, uh, like a traditionally beautiful voice, I know that turns you off sometimes. And I'm not making sometimes. a value judgment about yeah. that. I'm just saying I know for you that's a big part of you being able to enjoy music. Yeah. So I also kind of was like, he might hate it just because of the way that Shannon Hoon sings. Oh, uh, you know. Okay, so I can see that actually. I can see why you would think that. I was trying to pinpoint what he sounded like. The almost the entire time that I was listening to this, and it finally hit me today before we started uh, podcasting. He kind of reminds me of the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, he like, but not as intense. I don't know how else to put it. But, okay, but he because I don't really care for Guns N' Roses that much. Okay, so I need you. To hold that thought, we're going to start getting down into, well, you know what? We'll kind of talk about stuff and okay. I'll, I'll kind of intermix the history for you. Okay. Let's start with the beginnings of this band. Okay. I'm get, just right. keep what you just said in your brain, Mike. Okay. Reminds me of Guns N' Roses. All right. Yeah. But like a, a less intense version okay. of it. So I'm going to go through, I'm going to list the members of the band real quick. Okay. I mean, and it's changed over the years, but for this, you know, the original core, the original founding members and the ones you find on this album. All right, so you have on lead guitar, Rogers Stevens. Okay, guitar riffs were great in this album. You have uh, rhythm guitar, Chris Thorne. And here's a fun fact for you about Chris Thorne. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, all these guys are from small towns, and they all formed up in L.A. in like 1989, 1990, right around okay. that. Um, so Chris Thorne, rhythm guitar, 
He's from a little town called Dover, Pennsylvania. What? Which is about 20 minutes from us. Yeah. He went to York College. What? Which is about 15 minutes. Actually, where we're at right now, like 10 minutes from us. Yeah. He never graduated, but okay. he did. He went to Dover College, and then he ended up leaving, moving out to L.A., where he met the other members of the band. That's so wild. Drummer. Glenn Graham, don't have any fun facts about him. Bassist, Brad Smith, no fun facts about him either. But all these guys are from small towns. Okay. And then you have the lead singer, Shannon Hoon. So a couple things. Shannon Hoon is from a small town called Lafayette, Indiana. Okay. His sister went to high school with Axl Rose. What? When Shannon Hoon moved to Los Angeles. Okay. His sister, still in contact with Axl Rose, called him and said, hey, my brother's coming out to L.A. Can you kind of like keep an eye on him? So Axl Rose takes him under his wing and what? he's hanging out with Axl Rose. He sings. You can actually hear Shannon Hoon. He sings backing vocals on Gun- Guns N' Roses third and fourth albums. Whoa, so what? at this point, Guns N' Roses is already one of the biggest bands in the world. OK. And so he comes out to comes out to LA and is just hanging out and kind of like staying with Axl Rose. And he sings backing vocals on, I didn't recognize a lot of the tracks. I'm not a huge GNR guy, Yeah, but uh, he did sing, uh, he is uh, like backing vocals on November Rain. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so both of these guys are from Laf. So him and Axl Rose from Lafayette, Indiana and Knew each other knew very each well. Other? Yeah. That's so Axel weird. Rose went to high school with his sister. I wonder then, I'm I'm guessing that it's his older sister. That, yes. Okay. Yeah. So then I wonder if he went, man, that's, I wonder if Isn't anything. Isn't that wild that it reminded so you of Axel? Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Then obviously Axel Rose rubbed off on him somehow. Probably like, a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. It you, just, you know who he reminds me a lot of too? Hmm. Robert Plant. From okay. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. The, and all three of those guys, Axl Rose, Robert Plant, uh, Shannon Hoon, all mm-hmm. of them high-pitched singers. Yeah. You know, and as a guy with a high-pitched voice, gotta love my high-pitched kings. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> gotta, dog? Gotta love them. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's so and they, wild. they actually were part of a, they did a song on like a Led Zeppelin tribute album in the mid-90s. Who did? Uh, uh, Blind Melon. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think uh, Axl Rose is a fair kind of comparison for his vocal range, as well as uh, as well as Robert Plant. Yeah. And if you see pictures of him, he's kind of skinny, long hair. Okay. Um, definitely has Robert Plant vibes. Okay. Yeah, some of the music, too, and you're not going to get this reference, but some of their music reminded me of the first Skillet album as well, which, okay. which I thought was kind of weird, because... Skillet essentially made a grunge album. That was their first album. And then their next album was Techno. I wouldn't be surprised if they were inspired by this album then. Yeah. As we'll go along, we'll talk a little bit about the legacy of this and stuff. But this album, you know, we can jump around a bit, but it really wasn't generally well received. What? Um, But in you also have to imagine they came off of their self titled debut which had no rain and was more of a kind of traditional 90s alt rock grunge album okay and that album went quadruple platinum oh wow i didn't realize it was that big they were kind of like thrust into fame and then they made this fucking album and people were like what the fuck is this (laughs) so not as well received 
But now, like 20 years later, it kind of has cult following. Um, this is one where I would call this is a hidden gem. Okay. Um, and it's considered by a lot of people to be, uh, they call it the dark horse. It's kind of like a dark horse of alt rock. Yeah. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot of retrospective praise. So, uh, in 2014, it came up in, uh, number one at the, on the top 10 underrated nineties alt rock albums list for alternative nation. Uh, it took the number five spot of top 10 most overlooked and un- underrated albums of the 90s uh, on VC website. In 2020, the Grammy site posted an article entitled How Blind Melon Lost Their Minds and Made a Masterpiece. Soup Turns 25. And that that article stated Soup has quietly become a dark horse favorite of the alt-rock era among fans and critics. Hmm. So it's definitely one of those things that in retrospect has gotten a lot more love than it did when it was actually released. It's really good. As we start going through the story of this album and them, a lot of that will also become clear as to why. Okay. All right. Yeah. I really, I really, really enjoyed this. Awesome. So I'm just going to go down through, we'll do a little bit of an info dump here. So we'll start back at the beginning. Rogers, Chris Thorne, Glenn Graham, Brad Smith, Shannon Hoon, they all meet up, these small town guys from uh, from different small towns. They meet up in L.A. and they kind of form up and start playing music. Now, originally, they're just kind of playing, uh, they're, they're making like demos and just doing, releasing singles and stuff like that to like different record companies. Before they ever even released a debut album, they were already getting like articles written about them in magazines and stuff like that. Before they even released an album. And a lot of that came from uh, Shannon Hoon's association with Axl Rose. Okay. Because so, he's taking him around L.A. He's, show, he's introducing him to people. and Gotcha. So did he do that before they recorded any of their albums? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Their first album came out in 1992. Okay. That's the one that had no rain on it. And that album also initially didn't really do very well. Hmm. Um, this is the era of music videos though. So basically they make, they make their self-titled album. It's not really doing that great. The music video though, starts getting some traction on MTV. And before they know it, MTV is playing the music video like five, 10 times a day. Oh, geez. And once again, anybody, if you know, pause what this and just go watch the no rain music video. Hey, everybody knows the song. It's so goddamn catchy. Yeah. It is a really, I think, a really great and perfect kind of like 90s rock song. Yeah. And the video has this girl dancing in like a bee costume, like a bumblebee costume. It just caught fire. And like I said, they went from kind of, it didn't really have that great of a reception to all of a sudden they are going quadruple platinum. So that means four million albums they sold off this thing. Jeez. Um, and then they're kind of all of a sudden thrust into the national spotlight. They're doing the cover of Rolling Stone. And they shot a couple okay. of different ones. And, and what's happened is people are talking about them. And they kind of get labeled as like a hippie band. Okay. Which Hoon didn't like. He even once commented like, I don't even really know what a hippie is, but it ain't me. <laughs> okay. You know, they, they kind of really didn't like all this attention for that one song. He even was quoted as saying, there's a lot of people saying they love us just from watching the, the music video. 
And he's like, that's backwards. If you only like us because of this video, then don't buy our album. Hmm. <laughs> like, Jeez. you know what I mean? Like this guy is somebody who was, you know, saw himself as an artist and really wanted to make art and didn't, you, you kind of saw the same thing with like Nirvana and Radiohead. These are all kind of going around, going on at the same time. These people who are turning away from celebrity yeah, and it, it kind of see like the shallowness and emptiness of that. And I think Shannon who could be counted among those people. Okay. Like a counterculture. Type yeah. Of and that Rolling Stone cover, they actually did two photo shoots in one of them. They were uh, essentially dismembering the B girl. Okay, <laughs> and that's the Jeez. that's the album cover they wanted to use, but instead, Rolling Stone used an album cover of them all like naked and like kind of they're all naked, but they're all like crouched down, so you, you don't see their privates or anything. Okay, but all it's right. all the guys naked, and it kind of added to this feeling of like, oh, they're this hippie band. Sure, if they're naked on there, yeah, yeah, which it, and they hated that label because they're like, we're that's not what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. You, keep in mind, if you listen to the sound of their music, they're doing a lot of like grungy alt rock. I mean, they're probably closer to like Alice in Chains than the Grateful Dead. But because of the song, no rain, because of like the poppy, happy vibe of it and Hoon's long hair, that that's just kind of what they started getting labeled as. And they didn't really like it. So they weren't super into notoriety, but they're touring. They're doing the warp tour They're They're having a lot of success, but at this point, Hoon, starts a pretty serious drug addiction and it starts becoming a problem so as they're touring you know he's getting sober but then he's getting you know and then he's falling off the wagon and he Mm -hmm. had a real issue with uh addiction um and then shows started getting bad in one specific instance the band was performing in vancouver and at some point hoon had stripped off all his clothes and is performing fully naked Okay. Not a huge deal, and the show is still going on. Sure. But then he decides to piss on the audience. Oh, my god! So gosh. he starts urinating. He's fully blackout drunk, singing, dr- singing. He's fully naked on the stage, and he's kind of, like, falling all over, and then he just starts peeing off the stage and ends up peeing on a couple audience members. Okay. He obviously gets arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, he doesn't clean up at that point. They're just kind of like, oh, that's Shannon. He's just, he's just having fun. He's He's a young guy in his early twenties. Yeah. Okay. Um, they performed at Woodstock 94. Oh, okay. And, uh, did they get crazy with that one? It went really well. Um, but you can actually see pictures or video of them performing. Who wore a white wedding dress? Interesting. Yeah. Um, And then he later, the rest of the band thought he was fully sober. He later admitted to being high on LSD at the time. Jeez. Okay. You'll see it's this problem that kind of is continuing. And as they're getting fame, uh, he's really struggling with problems of addiction. Something that happened in 94 that really changed him, though, is Kurt Cobain killed himself. Okay. So was he? Kurt Cobain obviously struggled with addiction. And that was kind of like a wake up call for him where he's like, I really need to get sober. Did he know Kurt Cobain? Personally, I, I don't know. Just because of who um, Kurt Cobain was. But I was. think just the impact that had on, sure, on the music. media landscape. Yeah. So in the wake of all of that, they're like, we need to record our second album. So it's time to record the second album. So the band moves to the French Quarter in New Orleans. Okay. So that'll probably explain the intro 
that intro song and the outro song have that Louisiana brass band feel. Yeah. That's because they were in New Orleans. Now, the move to New Orleans was really great creatively for them. They basically all moved into a mansion. It was going really well at first, but then everyone started partying. And not just Hoon, but everybody. And Hoon, when they moved there, had been sober. But shortly after they moved there, he was no longer sober. I'm going to pull up an uh, article. Uh, Actually, that article I was talking about earlier from Grammy Magazine. Okay. Before long, the city's party atmosphere began to take over the sessions. Drug dealers became common fixtures. And Hoon sightings became rare. Quote, you only got Shannon for so much time, recalls Thorne. I don't know how Andy even just finished that record for us. Andy is the producer. We'll talk about him then, too. Oh, okay. Um, You got Shannon for a few hours a day, if you're lucky. And even then, what they got wasn't always pretty. One afternoon, Thorne came downstairs to eat a bowl of cereal and found Hoon cooking cocaine on the stove. (laughs) Another time, he cut himself up with a razor blade for fun. Oh, man. Hoon wasn't the only one in the band overdoing it, though. The collective madness that had become commonplace at Kingsway found its way onto the record. So everybody was kind of going nuts and partying all day and night. They usually wouldn't start their recording sessions till four or five. In the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Um, But they did say uh, Thorne and other guitarist Roger Stevens, you know, this was also a playground for them. Uh, Thorne started buying instruments just a banjo and a mandolin and just random instruments he had never played before okay. and learned how to play them It just and was experimenting with them on the album. I was noticing that it had some fun instruments yeah. in there. And yeah. so as some of the songs we'll talk about, you'll, yeah. like, you'll see that that was just them experimenting with instruments they hadn't played, just trying to mess with the new sound. Pretty sure um, I heard a kazoo on one of the, oh, yeah. one of the songs too. Oh yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about that song. Um, <laughs> and they gave, did, later give credit and they said hey uh no matter what the band threw at him hoon was up to that job musically it just all worked Hmm. so you have a lot of things going on when they're in new orleans recording this album you have all the guys are partying day and night there's drug dealers hanging out shannon hoon is sometimes he's not there he's only coming in every once in a while he's cutting himself with razors just to be crazy he's punching cops he's getting into bar fights jeez he's going off the rails there's also another thing that happens he finds out that his wife is pregnant and oh, so going he's to get married birth. while this is happening yeah perhaps it's his girlfriend i'm not sure honestly but he finds out that his partner is pregnant okay during this time as well and and during this time he's partying he's going off the rails but he's also getting sober and then not being sober you sure. know he's kind of it's a real struggle and we'll talk about more of that as we talk about some of the songs so that that was kind of like the recording of this album and then it comes out and it really doesn't have that good of a reception uh the record label really didn't promote it that great they had kind of just weren't huge fans of the blind melon they had kind of gotten off the blind melon train themselves so they just didn't put a lot of force behind it okay but the band says you know what we're gonna go on tour to promote this at this point Shannon Hoon has gotten sober again. He's made a real commitment. I'm going to be sober. His wife goes on tour with them. She gives birth and his daughter Nico is born while they're touring. So his wife and his newly born daughter come out on tour for about a week with them. Okay. 
Um, shortly after that, a few weeks after that, they're still touring. They're just trying to promote this album. It's really not picking up traction. Also, I should mention that there was a drug counselor with them at this. They, they had basically agreed, hey, there's going to be a drug counselor that's going to go along. Okay. Keeping Hoon clean. Basically, he's there to keep Hoon from just going off the rails again and just keep him sober. So at some point, they fire him. They're f- okay. Because he just wasn't doing their job. They, I couldn't find any specifics on that, but probably just failed to actually keep him from getting high. So they ended up firing this guy. So they're doing a show in Houston, and Hoon is just not there. It's just a really bad performance. The, the whole band can tell he's, fuck, he's fucked up again. He's drunk, he's high, whatever's going on. So the show ends. Nobody's really happy, and Chris Thorne is kind of pissed at him. There, I, I read an account of there's like an interaction between the two of them where essentially Thorne is, is kind of like where Shannon's like, uh, apparently he's always apologetic. When he relapses, he feels really bad about it, and he's very apologetic because he knows it's upsetting the other people. Yeah. And Thorne says, you know, whatever. he's mad. He's like, whatever, I'm going to bed, and I'm not going to stay up all night while Shannon gets fucking high all night. Um, so Hoon spent that night staying up, drinking, and doing cocaine. Um, the next morning, they found him dead of an overdose. Oh no! So <sighs> at that so frustrating. At that point, uh, his and I would like to point out his daughter Nico, thirteen weeks old at this time. Yeah, jeez, that's so frustrating. Yeah. So at this point, the record company is basically like just washes their hands. They yeah. are fully the the record company says we are not promoting this anymore. Like he's the guy's dead. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Um the band is absolutely destroyed. A uh, number of that they basically all just went their separate they're like oh it's just dead. It's done. Yeah. And they all went their separate ways. They would later go on to reform. It would take them 10 years to find a replacement singer. And even that didn't last for too long. They did release another album. Their third album was called uh for my friends released in 2008 okay yeah but how do you replace that voice exactly it's such a unique sound exactly as well as just his lyrics and his energy you know all the things i read about him while i was doing this research is saying that you know who he would just come in and he filled the room and that he was just this magnetic personality um so it took him 10 years to find somebody to replace him and even that didn't last permanently they did release another album in 2008. I haven't listened to it, um, so I can't speak to what it sounds like. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of that plays into this. Because not only did he die, but then there were articles. And a lot of people kind of like scoffing at it almost like, oh, drugs took another rock and roll star. Sure. But yeah, October 21st, 1995, Shannon Hoon died. And honestly, I think so did Blind Melon with him. Probably. I mean, if it took 10 years to even find a replacement singer. That's probably something different, too. Yeah. And, you know, his death was obviously overshadowed by Kurt Cobain had died a year before. And they had such a more of a cultural impact. Yeah. That was a lot of people's kind of take on it was like, oh, there's just another there's another rock musician dead from these drugs. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a new story. It wasn't the first time they had seen it. It wasn't going to be the last time. So it kind of killed the promotion for this record. That had a lot, I think, to do with why this record didn't get 
the notoriety that I feel and a lot of other people feel it probably deserved. Yeah. Well, that's so that's so frustrating here, too, because, I mean, there's some really unique stuff, like really unique stuff on this album. Yeah. Yeah. I man, that's that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. So, so I'm sorry to take up so much time uh, and do a big info dump. But like I said, as I was researching, I'm like, this guy, these guys story is crazy. There's also a there's a book called one, a, an angel on one shoulder, shoulder, a devil on the other. The story of Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon. I haven't read it. Um, and there is a documentary that came out in 2019. It's available on YouTube okay. uh, to rent or buy. I'm going to end up watching it. I just. Uh, haven't got to it sure um and it's called all i can say and so the whole time during blind melon's rise to fame and the the recording of this album shannon hoon had a personal camcorder that he carried with him and filmed everything so this documentary called all i can say premiered in 2019 and it's available on youtube to rent or buy as well as other platforms i'm sure so, and that's where a lot of, I believe a lot of this info that I found came from, like from sources citing that. Um, and it, it looks really cool. So after I read all this or mm-hmm. did all this research, like I, I fully went down a rabbit hole. It sounds I, like I watched, it, I watched like a 30 minute documentary. <laughs> really I watched like a 30 like minute fan made documentary kind of about <laughs> the story of Blind Melon. Sure. I'm like reading. So I did. Typically I just pull up the Wikipedia page yeah. and just read off of that. Uh-huh. I mean, I like. I was I spent like a whole day doing research on this. Yeah, because it just fascinated me because I've always loved this album so much, and then learning the stories behind sure the music I'm hearing, I was just like. So you were unaware of all of. I mean, did you know that he had passed away? I knew all. I here I'll tell you what I knew about Blind Mountain. They did that song No Rain. They were a one hit wonder. That the lead singer was kind of uh, a guy who died too early, and that he had peed on an audience member. Jesus. I knew I knew that story. That was the only like, but that's what I knew about them. I'm like, oh, Blind Melon, the the drug addict guy, he peed on the audience member and then he died of a drug overdose. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that was what I knew about Blind Melon. Yeah. That's and, that's a lot. And man. he was a couple weeks short of the 27 Club, the famous 27 Club. Like oh, Jimi Hendrix, really? Janis Joplin. He was 28 when he died. That's okay. So, wow. That's so weird. It's really weird to think about people that are dying at that age uh-huh. now that we are so far past that age. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think where was I at 28? I think that I was, I mean, we were, we had just bought our first house, I think. I mean, or shortly, like we had just bought our first house a year or two prior to, prior to that. Like I wasn't very far along in my career at 28. Like I was still finding my feet as an adult at 28 (laughs) and to think that there are people who are touring around the world and doing just astronomical amounts of drugs and having such a vastly different life. Yeah. It's so weird. And then now you have to imagine that plays into it too. Yeah. Cause I mean, and I've, you've heard this about all kinds of entertainers, whether it be music, movies, television, whatever it is. These these entertainers who find fame at an early age, they end up with arrested development. Yeah. Where they just they don't really grow up because they don't have to. Yeah. I guess that makes they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with 
you know, these issues. Sure. So. It's just a weird thing, too, though, because I look at somebody like this and it's somebody who, if they were alive now, would be older than us. Yeah. But they like they didn't experience 10 years of life that we have experienced almost. Yeah. Dude, I think about that I because I forever and always will be just a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. Right. I love Hendrix so much. The body of work he created. He died at 27. Yeah, that's nuts. The body of work he created, the impact and influence he had on the world. Yeah. And he died at 27. It's mind-blowing to me. It's it's astounding. Um, I don't think Blind Melon and Shannon Hoon had that same impact. I mean, so, probably not. But, but I get, I get exactly where you're coming from. It's so... It, it's just... It's crazy to think that it's like I have more life experience. Yeah. Like as far as time wise. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a weird thing. Than, <laughs> than, than Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin or Kurt yeah. Cobain. Right. You know what I mean? When did, when, how old was Lennon when, when he was killed? Uh, I don't know. Well, now he I wasn't, do. he wasn't part of the 27 club. I, I oh, so that. it doesn't matter. It was in the yeah. 70s. So <laughs> it's, it's we're talking just, about the 27 Club. Yeah, but that, uh, oh, wait, no, uh, you're no, talking about talking people. About okay. Dying young and like having more life experience than these people who have lived okay. so freaking crazily. Okay, you're right. You're right. It's the, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what's it matter? It wasn't the 27 Club, Micah. <laughs> it's, okay, he was 40 when he died. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. I can still look at him and be like, yeah, he was an older what person. A, what an old fuck. Yeah. 40. Can't, 40. Ugh. You call yourself a rocker? And you lived a 40? Axl Rose would have something to say about you. He wouldn't because he's too busy stuffing a chicken wing and mashed potatoes in his mouth. <laughs> have you seen <laughs> Axl Rose in the last few years? No, I have not. He's a... He doesn't look good. Well, he's a like multi-millionaire. He's not a young skinny hot boy anymore. Well, I'll tell no. you that. <laughs> that, that. That tends to happen as time goes on. You tend to lose... That effect. Brett Michaels looks better than Axl Rose, if that tells you anything. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, probably Chris Benoit's family, too, while we're at it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Dark. You went to Brett Michaels. <laughs> what? The lead singer of Poison. Oh, I'm not thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking of... Um, Bret Hart? Yep, that's who I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, and, okay. And also, this- you're thinking of Owen Hart. Um, yeah, okay. Owen so, Hart is the one who died tragically. You're right. You're right. I rescind my Crispin Benoit Brett Michaels joke. is the lead singer of Poison. He was did three seasons of the show called Rock of Love on VH1. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Three. I rescind the Crispin Benoit <laughs> joke. I apologize. I thought we were going down a dark rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, no. We were not at all. <laughs> I really escalated that to an unnecessary degree. Oh, man. So... I apologize. <laughs> Can we talk about like, we've gone wildly off topic? It's not my fault. It's it's, it's a li- it's both of our. Can we both take? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. All right, sure. Do you want to talk about some of the actual songs? Yeah, and let's, music let's, in this, please. Yeah, let's. Do, change so, the do you subject. have any songs specifically you want to talk about, or anything musically you want to talk about? Um. So the one there was one song that really jumped out to me, and it was the song "Dump Truck." Okay. I really liked that song. Dude, Dump Truck is really cool. Yeah, that song was freaking awesome. I, I love... It's like this super, like, jazzy... It, it kind of goes back and forth between being this, like, 
the cor- the verses are kind of like this jazzy uh jazzy kind of cool vibe yeah and then it kind of segues into this like really fast heavy chorus yeah and then it also has this like breakdown they do a lot the whole way through this album Mm -hmm. where their songs will be they kind of like uh modulate between being like soft and jazzy to being like heavy and grungy and then and then kind of like these changes that'll like it'll have a key change and a whole tonal shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that that song really had that too because it had kind of a softer um, verse. Oh know, yeah, stanza. for sure. Yeah, and then once it hit the chorus, I'm like, whoa, man, this is yeah, this is turning into dude, something nice, dude. They can like I. That's one of the things I love about this album is sure. they can turn on a dime, where it's it's very melodic. And mm-hmm. it's very almost like this happy '90s rock sound, yeah, with really great melodies. And then they can just turn it on a dime, and it's fucking just a rock, a heavy rocking grunge song that would be yeah. home at like a fucking Alice in Chains. Co- they remind me a lot of their heavier stuff. Reminds me of Alice in Chains. Oh yeah, or like uh, Soundgarden, that kind of like Seattle grunge era. Sure. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Alice in Chains. But I I can get the Soundgarden vibes. Yeah. So a couple. So yeah. I know we talk. We started talking about Galaxy. Yeah. Which that song's dude, awesome. Such a perfect way to open that album. Yeah. I that think. song was great. I think they have this really cool that jazz brass band intro, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of cuts off, and then you just get it just starts fucking rocking. Yeah. Well, that's what made me go oh oh because I put this on and I was working on some freelance work. And I had to stop and I'm like, oh no, this is like, I got to pay attention to this music. It really, it, it stopped me. It was, I was very, very much surprised. Uh, yeah, that, that song was great. Uh, Galaxy's cool. It's so, and I'm going to give you as we go through the ones I have information on. Yeah. So that song is like the whole chorus is like, I'm, I'm not the guy, that guy out back in the Cadillac. Yeah. That ain't me. I'm just here in my galaxy. He's talking about his 1963 Ford Galaxy, which is just like an old hoopty. <laughs> okay. It's kind of a, it's kind of a song about his first love and a breakup. Okay. So it's the song of like basically like a girl being like not giving him the time like he's like there like his first love and like she's just you're not good enough for me basically. Gotcha. Cuz I'm happy to just hang out in my Ford Galaxy. Sure. Okay, that's kind of cool. Um, I liked the next track too. Two by four, two by four. That was a solid song, dude. Yeah, it's it fucking rocks. It's fast. It slaps. Yeah, as the kids would say. As the kids um, would say, it's that's a, bop. a that's a song about being in a drug detox. Oh, very cool. That's <laughs> dude. So, th- so as we go through, kind of like what's going on in the music here. Yeah, and and I know you're not super as familiar with the lyrics and stuff. One of the things is this album is very honest. Uh, I think that's what uh, Chris Thorne had said. He was talking about like 20 years later, people still really love this album. He's like, I think it's because it's all just really, there's a lot of honesty on display here. A lot of times he uses a lot of metaphor and it's kind of maybe a little bit hard to sift through it. Sure. Especially on a first, just listening to it once or twice. Yeah. Um, But a lot of these songs are really just like a diary of Shannon Hoon and like the struggles and shit he's going through. Cause remember the backdrop of this is he is struggling with addiction of getting sober, 
them falling off the wagon and getting yeah. sober and falling off the wagon and being super famous and not really being mentally prepared with how to deal with that. So he's the main lyricist of the band? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hoon was the singer, wrote all the lyrics. Um, and there's also confrontations going on in the band because he wanted more royalties because he okay. was like, I write all the songs. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he was mostly did lyric. I mean, I don't know how much he did, but he yeah. was basically the front man. He was the singer. He wrote the lyrics. Was he a so, producer at all or no? No. Okay. Um, oh, I did want to talk about, so the producer on this album and a guy who kind of helped it all come together. We don't always talk about producers and stuff that much, but it's yeah, a guy named much. Andy Wallace. Okay. Andy Wallace got his start, his where he really got his foot in the door and made a name for himself. Uh, he helped mix and engineer the song Walk This Way by oh, Ron okay. DMC and, and Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here are a couple of the other bands he uh, either worked as a producer, a mixer, or a sound engineer on. Uh, albums for Run DMC. Slayer. Jeez. Uh, That's a jump. The Ra- the Rollins <laughs> band, which is Henry La- Rollins band, obviously. Yeah. Uh, White Zombie, Sonic Youth, Rage Against the Machine, Nirvana, Bad Religion, Jeff Buckley. That, uh, there, wow. there, uh, Faith No More, uh, Rancid. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, there, there are some bigger ones. Rush. He did a Rush oh, album. Wow. He okay. was the mixer for a Rush album. Uh, Limp Biscuit. Ben Folds 5. I love Ben Folds. Whatever and Ever Amen. Yeah. He mixed that album. Oh, that's a good uh, album. Uh, Silver Chair, Everclear, Soulfly, Fish. Wow. Uh, Foo Fighters, Seven Dust, Disturbed. What, this, seven, what seven Dust album? Uh, Home. Okay, that's their second album. That's a pretty good album. Uh, he mixed Disturbed, The Sickness. Okay, that's a pretty solid album, the too. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Mudvayne, Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory. He mixed that. Wow. Uh, Stained, Break the Cycle. That's an amazing album too. (laughs) Holy crap. At the Drive-In. He mixed that. System of a Down, Toxicity. He mixed that. Oh my goodness. Slipknot, Iowa. He mixed that. Jeez. Uh, Natalie Imbruglia, Power Man 5000, Puddle of Mud, System of Down Again, Trapped, Disturbed Again, Taproot Again, Chevelle. Corn. What Chevelle Stained. album? Uh, Chevelle. Wonder what's next. Oh man, that's that's their album with the red. That's the like uh, that's the yeah. album that they got famous on. Yeah. Oh man, Blink One Eighty Two, Some Forty One, Patty Smith, Rise Against, LCD Sound System, Avenge Sevenfold, Three Doors Down, Coheed and Cambria, God's uh, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star Four, Volume One, Front Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. He mixed that. That's their best album. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, Atreyu, Paul McCartney, Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> dude. Jeez. Coldplay, The Plain White Tees, Reliant K. Does, what? 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 Portugal this... the Man, Dream Seater. What? what? <laughs> Skillet. No. <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> What? You're lying to me. You're not telling me that this guy produces Skillet and then turns around and produces okay. Ghost. Okay, a lot of these are mixing and sound engineer. But, but I mean, still, he, you, I have to imagine. <laughs> what? That's so wild to me. So okay. those are all the albums that this guy worked on. That's <laughs> and, insane. And I was going through the list just naming the ones that I recognized. Jeez. 
That's so, wild. Okay. Once again, his name is Andy Wallace. And based on what I was doing the research, he was also like all the guys stayed in the upstairs. Yeah. And Andy basically lived downstairs and was just like mixing and putting this album together. They would come and record. And he basically just lived down there for a couple months while they made this album. Dude, that guy basically mixed my childhood together. <laughs> right? It's so wild. That's so insane. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm going to have to look more into him. Yeah. That's, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That's intense, dude. Um, so in addition to you have this guy, uh-huh. you have Hoon going off the rails and having just these big life changes. Yeah. And then you have like Thorne and Rogers who are, it, it's weird. His first name is Rogers. Is it Roger Roger? His, his name, name is Rogers Stevens. Oh, okay. Like an S on the end. It's very weird. But so an you S have, on both so you of have them? Thorne and Stevens. <laughs> I'm going to say it that way so I don't confuse myself. Yeah. Um, where they're really trying to get more experimental and add stuff. Uh-huh. So you see that specifically the song Skinned. Yeah. Skinned was a great song. Dude. So I know you don't. But can you guess what that song's about? No, uh, probably not. I mean, he talks about him not being in his skin. Are you familiar with a man named Ed Gein? No, I am not. Okay, so Ed Gein was a murderer and suspected serial killer from the 1950s. Okay. Let me give you a little rundown quick on Ed Gein. Was he a bit so of a rascal? In, uh, <laughs> he was a rascal. So, <laughs> all right. So Ed Gein gets convicted of murdering a woman in the 1950s. Two women. Okay. So he gets arrested uh, the, for, they suspect him for the murder of this woman. They go to search his house. Yeah. They find the woman. Her body is decapitated. She's hanging, uh, hung up by her legs, and her the front of her body is splayed open like somebody's skinning a deer. They then go to search Ed Gein's house. Jeez. And they find a bunch of furniture and things made of dead bodies. What? So so not only did Ed Gein kill these two women, but he also regularly went to the graveyard and dug up fresh female corpses. So here is a list. I'm going to give you a list of the things they found in Ed Gein's home. Oh my god. Whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering <laughs> several chairs, skulls on his bedposts, female skulls, some with the tops on off. Bowls made of human skulls. A corset made from a human torso, skin from shoulder to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face masked in a paper bag. She was one of the victims he killed. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden, his other confirmed victim. Uh, Entire head in a burlap sack. His other confirmed victim? Yep, we'll get into Uh, that. Bernice Warden's head in a plastic bag in front of his potbelly stove. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. A young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old. A belt made of the female human nipples. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. You've been fingernails talking for minutes. <laughs> from female fingers. That's what they found in Ed Gein's house. So he's confirmed to have killed two people. Okay. And he's also confirmed to have robbed graves to steal body parts to do to his do little that. arts and crafts project. He's a little Jeez. bit mentally ill, obviously. Oh. He All the women he killed and that the bodies he dug up were women who resembled his mother. After she died, he wanted to make a suit of her that he could wear. 
is uh, okay so just process all of it i'm trying thor and then there was also multiple murders in that area okay Uh, i believe it was plainfield wisconsin okay um that were never he never officially admitted to sure and they it's the 1950s so they couldn't you know can so he only is confirmed to have killed two people so he's a suspected serial killer because he likely killed others Holy shit. <laughs> uh, 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 okay, so the only thing that I can think of while you're telling me this, uh, it's and it's it's not even, it's, oh my gosh. I'm thinking of like the oldest cop show that I know. Uh-huh. Which is the Andy Griffith <laughs> show. <laughs> All right? And because I was like, when does this, when does the Andy Griffith show show up? Yeah, this 19, is 1957. Yeah, so this is 1960. So, man, the disconnect from the Andy Griffith show. Could you imagine Andy Griffith walking into that with Barney? That's all. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, Andy, what are we doing? What? 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 Yeah. So, Jeez. so the song "Skinned" was Thorne's attempt. He just wanted to write a song with the banjo, and that's the song they wrote. And then Hoon put sure. the lyrics over. That's I'm a gonna, natural place so, to go so to. So now that to I told you all about that, banjo. I'm just gonna read you the lyrics. They're pretty quick. They're, it's pretty long. So, okay. I'll make a shoehorn out of your skin. I'll make a lampshade of durable skin. And oh, don't you know that I'm always feeling able when I'm sitting home and I'm carving out your navel. I'm just carving out your navel. When will I realize that the skin I'm in, hey, it isn't mine? And when will the kill be too much meat for me to hide? Hey, I could really use a couple of hands to complete one hell of a plant stand. Oh, and don't you know that I'm actually caught here in the middle making rib cages into coffee tables? Hey, I'm just making them into coffee tables. That's so weird. So that's what the song Skinned is about. So weird. Where basically Thorne was like, wrote this song on the banjo he had bought a banjo and was like just wrote a song with yeah, it yeah i don't know if i like the fact <laughs> that i like that song <laughs> yeah. so, the song is about ed Gein. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh this album is dark uh, yeah dude he gets micah it's gonna get worse no it only gets worse from here well uh, okay Okay. so after does it get worse from here so after skin you have toes across the floor which is kind of like social commentary yeah honestly pretty obviously then you have my favorite song from this album one of my favorite songs of all time walk okay which is a primarily acoustic song and it is just one of the most depressing songs of all time like you can literally just feel like the whole song is about his struggles with addiction and recovery. Uh-huh. You know, one of the lines is um, woke up in a pile of puke and an empty bag of excuses. Okay. The, the whole song is about his struggle he had with being sober, being relapsing, being sober, relapsing. And it's just this song of like absolute desperation and melancholy. Okay. And you have the wailing harmonica going through it. Yeah. I love walk. I think, I think the, the couple of like primarily acoustic tracks on this really stand out on this album. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I could, I could see that. Like when I'm down and I, I, I will just listen to that song okay. and it makes me want to just cry. Like, it's just so 
Like the shit he was dealing with. It's just like his, his like essence just laid bare. Yes. Like, this is my shit I'm dealing with. Considering everything that he's going through at that time. Yeah. That's, that's wild. After that, you get dump truck, which we already gloated. Pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Then you get the song car seat. And then in parentheses, God's presence. Yeah. So yeah, it's God. Is it God's presence or is it God's? It's well, it's God's and the presence is spelled like presence, like gifts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to make it. This is where it gets worse. Mike. Oh, OK, cool. Well, and it'll continue to get worse. So God's <laughs> presence. So this song. So what's really okay. unique about this song is it's like it's very once again, this experiment, them experimenting with different sounds. Sure. So it sounds uh, musically. It's kind of like this bossa nova, like an Eastern like Eastern music kind of song with these really ethereal vocals. Uh-huh. And it, it's very, it sounds very cool. And some of the lyrics in that one are like, uh, I, you know, my brother sits by me buckled into his car. See, and it's like this weird, like Eastern rhythm. It sounds like a snake charmer or something almost. Mm-hmm. So that song is about a woman named Susan Smith. An actual woman named Susan Smith? On October 25th of 1994, Susan Smith uh, took her two children. Uh, One of them was a couple months old and the other one was a toddler. Buckled them into their car seats and then put her car in drive and let it drive into a lake and drowned them. That's disgusting. Yeah. She then went to the police and told them that they were kidnapped by a black man. Wow. Wow. And for about 10 days, they searched, couldn't find it. And then she eventually confessed that um, she was in love with a man who broke up with her and told her he didn't want to be with her because she had children. So she decided to drown the two of them. That's a horrible person. Yeah. Like a horrible person. That's disgusting. She is an absolutely terrible person. Yeah. And that is what that song is about. Okay. It was kind of a big news story at the time of them writing this album. Um, moving on from that one, let's get, and it's so fucked up because it's such a beautiful song, but when you know what it's about, it's like, what in the fuck? Yeah. Uh, you get Wilt, which is kind of slow and jammy. And apparently it's about like halitosis. Like the whole song is about like bad breath. That one's kind of almost like jokey. Yeah. Um, you get to the song St. Andrew's Fall. Sure. All right. So St. Andrew's Fall. This one is also based on... So St. Andrew's Fall is so cool. Because you have this, like... It kind of starts out slow and really happy. And it's like, if I could just buy this... If I could buy the sky. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like this sweet, happy melody. And then towards the end, it starts... You get this time change where the music just picks up. And they're just... By the end of it, they're playing as fast as they can. Okay. It just builds and builds and builds. And then you get this part where it almost becomes inaudible because the drums and the guitar, it's all just like, it's just like picking up as fast as it can. So 1994, they're touring their No Rain album. They're playing in Detroit. The show ends and they go outside. They were having issues with the mixer. So they were basically like, like basically bitching about the people at the people who worked at the venue. Like the mixer was all fucked up. You messed up the sound. Okay. They go outside. I'm just going to read you a quote from Shannon Hoon. Okay. There's a woman standing on top of a building called St. Andrew's Hall across the street from the venue where they played. 
So this is a quote from Shannon Hoon. There's about 200 people all watching by now. And of course, you get all the heartless ones that start heckling and screaming when you when you should really understand that someone, for whatever reason, is deliberating life or death right now. It was unbelievable. There were people yelling, jump, jump. I thought, my God, what's going on here? All of a sudden, there was this dead calm, and the girl stood up, and she jumped. And we were all standing there. And I mean, it seemed like it took forever for her to fall. It was one of those situations where you don't want to look, but something in your mind makes you watch and just will not let you take your eyes away from it. Because you're going to learn something from it. I mean, not only did I learn that monitor mixes were irrelevant to life, it just... Nobody was able to say a thing for the next three hours. We just got in the van and drove. Uh, Rogers was actually down on the street when it happened. It was something that really scared us all. She was just 26, and no one knew why she jumped. She took her secret with her. They thought she might have tested positive for AIDS, but she wasn't. She wasn't pregnant. She had a job. She just suffered from depression. It could have been anybody. It was really sad. Hmm. And that's what St. Andrew's Fall is all about. Huh. So literally, <laughs> that song is about them witnessing a girl jumping 20 stories to her death. Like yeah. one of the lyrics in that is, like it starts out all happy and then he's like, standing on a ledge looking sto- 20 stories below. And then that's when the music starts picking up and hitting this feverish pace. Okay. It's like this musical representation of this girl jumping off a building. That's intense. 20 stories high. Man, you were not kidding when you said this was a dark album. <laughs> oh, this is this is a lot to handle. Well, and so there's like this trifecta cuz you get St. Andrew's Fall, that horrific story of a girl jumping to her death. Sure. The next song is New Life. And this is a very slow and sweet melody. This song was written right after Shannon found out that his partner, like I said, I'm not sure wife or girlfriend, was pregnant. Okay. And if you read the lyrics on this song, they're actually really sweet. It's about the excitement of about to become a father. And I know that's something you and I can relate to. Sure, yeah. Um, And not only the excitement, but the anxiety of it. Yeah. And so it's sweet, but it's also a little bit melancholy, almost like anxious. Because once again, keep in mind, this is a guy who's dealing with serious drug addiction, who's really trying to get his life together. And there's a specific line where he says, I've just now re I'm about to reach the real potential of my life. Sure. He's looking at something. He's truly excited. This song is about his excitement and his nervousness and his fear and just this bundle emotion of emotions you feel when you're about to have your first child. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like they're with arms wide open song. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then right after that song, you get mouthful of cavities. Okay. This song uh, also has Jenna Krause on it. I don't know what else she does. I I think she's played in some bands with like the other members of this band, stuff like that, but not a particularly huge name. Um, But it's kind of like a duet. And this one is, it's dark and slow and it starts out acoustic and then kind of builds and eventually becomes more, they turn up the overdrive on the guitars and eventually, and this song just kind of starts slow and it builds. Mm -hmm. And this is another really sad one where it's almost like, 
it's like Hoon kind of it's written almost from the perspective of like he's talking to himself. It, like you can't really tell is he is this written to him or about him or somewhere in between. Yeah. It, it's uh it's tough. But that's the the line I open with. Mouthful huh. of cavities. Okay. Your soul is a bowl of jokes. <laughs> Your soul is a bowl of jokes. <laughs> and, and it's another one that's just wildly depressing. Yeah. Man, that's uh I mean, isn't it weird how when you are going through stuff, that's when you make the best music? Absolutely, man. It's it's such a crazy thing. And especially when you hear you hear fans go, Oh man, that the muse the new music's good, but you know, Adele's not going through stuff anymore, so the music's not as good. I wish she would have a, a breakup or something like that. Yeah. So absolutely. she'd make good music again. And I know that that is often said as a joke, kind of half-heartedly, but yeah. it's such a weird thing to think about. Like you, you really do make great art when you're going through stuff. I think it's such a cool um, outlet, yeah, to to express yeah, your emotions. I think when you're not going through shit, mm-hmm. you're complacent, and there's not as much of a reason to. Yeah, I know? really don't like that feeling. I don't not not that I want to perpetually de- be depressed, but I don't like complacency. No, but you have to get out and live, and you have yeah. to. It can't all be good. Yeah, you know that's the beauty of life. Is the good we read Spider Man on Zach's show, mm-hmm. and that I feel like that whole comic run was about that. Sure. So if you haven't listened to our episode on the comics that we love, where we talk about Spider Man Blue, go do that now. Yeah, it's a good one. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what that whole thing is about is yeah. like, you can't have the good without the bad. And, you know, it's unfortunate the way, you know, Hoon's story played out. He left a, thir- he left a 13 week old daughter. Yeah. That's, you know, because of his, you know, drug addiction, but through his struggles, he, I think he created him and the people he was working with. I think they created something truly beautiful and special with this album. Something that's truly given me strength and given me a lot of joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm, to be honest, Thor, I'm going to be listening to this for probably a couple of weeks. Dude, yes. Like, I I really, really, this this is probably the best music that you've recommended to me. And I know that you've been, <laughs> I'm so you've been surprised. <laughs> that you, the, I actually, I'm not surprised this one well, because I know that you've been trying to like pin down and like get, uh, get a, an album that I'm just, yeah, I think, I think this is it, man. Awesome, man. Yeah. I'm getting a you little, you know, this reminds me a lot of, but, uh, remember when you listened to that Arion album with Rob? Oh yeah. 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 It, it kind of almost reminds me of that too. This is not a concept album, no, but I think you could, I think if you could listen to it and kind of feel like it was, I mean, I think it's, I think it's Mm -hmm. obviously telling a story, not a, like a coherent, like through line of a story. No, it's not chronological by any means, but, but this is definitely all these songs are the diary of somebody who's going through some shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you look back and look at the album as a whole, you get a snapshot of what he's going through. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that. That's pretty cool, man. It's uh, this is a really good recommendation. Um, 
we're getting a little bit long in the tooth here, so we we probably ought to get to ratings and. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't let it. you talk much this episode. That's I'm sorry. okay. Like I said, dude, I just did deep dived on this, and yeah. I was like, I have to, I have to give you this information because it's in my brain. Yeah, I need somebody to hear it. <laughs> I mean, it's very very cool. Like just hearing the backstory of it, um, <clears throat> makes me look at the album a little bit differently. Because again, whenever we jump into these things, we're always jumping into it without any context of, of yeah. what it was, right? You're just recommending it to me. So getting that context is always very valuable in helping to understand exactly what's happening behind the scenes or or, or giving some insight into yeah. uh, what makes this thing great. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it before that too because that's how I experienced it as well. Like I said, sure. I didn't know any of this when I fell in love with this album. That's insane. I didn't know any of it. I was just like... <laughs> that's so Because that's the thing we haven't even... It's like just musically... Yeah, it's so their their melodies are incredible. Yeah, their ability to do time changes and key changes in a song, mm-hmm. but still make it feel like a cohesive piece of music, are awesome. I think the guitars are really incredible. I think the drums are really incredible. They're doing. The '90s were a beautiful time. They really it was a especially like the early to mid '90s. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people trying to really experiment with music. Yeah. You you get these kind of periods where people experiment a lot and then it kind of gets corporatized. So like in the 60s, you have a lot of like psychedelic and the birth of like uh, rock and roll, really. Sure. Right. And then it kind of gets homogenized a little bit and you hear what we would call like classic rock in the 70s and you get disco and it's all kind of really... There's not a whole lot of people experimenting doing stuff different. But then you get into the early 80s and you get punk and you get new wave and you get people trying new stuff. But then it all kind of gets homogenized into like Madonna and shit like that. Sure. And then you get the fucking then in the late 80s, early 90s, you get the fucking metal, mm-hmm. the, the beginning of, of uh, metal and grunge and guys like this doing like weird alt rock stuff in the nineties before it started getting homogenized again toward, you know? So I just think this is a really interesting time of music. And I think blind melon is a perfect example of like a nineties alt rock band really doing their own thing, making something unique. Yeah. I just wish they wouldn't have the name blind melon. Oh, so real quick. So (laughs) there are two things they said it is either, um, one of the guys in the band, that's what his dad used to call like hippies and the stoners that live next door. Okay. It was either that or it's a reference to a Cheech and Chong skit on one of their albums. Okay. There was a, they were like doing a parody of like an old musician, sure. an old blues musician named Blind Lemon Eaglin or something, Blind Lemon something. Okay. And they changed it to Blind Melon. Blind Melon something else i yeah. see so so it's either a cheech and chong reference or what his dad one of the guys dads called stoners gotcha. and hippies uh, all right so um how are we gonna rate this thor there's 14 tracks in this album on a scale of okay. one to 14 um okay alt rock tracks i'm really glad you didn't go anything with skin uh, oh you know what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have gone with a couple of lampshades. Um, Yeah, but no, 1 to 14, dude, I think this is, I think I'm going to give it 14. Fuck yeah. I really, really, really liked this. Yeah, dude, yes. 
Um, and, and I do plan on listening to this a lot more pretty thoroughly in the in the upcoming weeks real quick i still have more stuff to tell you i forgot oh real quick. so the cover is a guy eating a bowl of soup uh-huh that is it's not ted cruz like it looks like <laughs> <laughs> like literally a guy eating soup looks okay. like ted cruz right. but no that is uh that is Andy, the producer. Okay. That is a picture of him. And this album was nominated for a Grammy, but specifically for the album artwork. Okay. It's called like the Boxed Award, basically. Okay. So the picture on the front of the cover is a guy eating a bowl of soup, and it's like alphabet soup spells out blind melon. Yeah. The whole album was supposed to look like, the artwork was supposed to look like a, uh, like a rust, like a dirty spoon dive restaurant okay so that's the cover is this guy eating spoon and then when you opened up like the jacket mm-hmm. uh the songs were meant to look like the specials of the day oh okay and then all like the inner workings of the of the jacket on the cd and the album I, looked looked like a menu i wish so i wish bands the, still the, did that the grammy that this got nominated for was for the artwork on the album yeah. Not for the music. <laughs> Not for the music. Jeez. Yeah, I wish that bands still did that type of stuff. That's, that's I, the I miss, last fun little tidbit yeah, for you. I miss those jackets that would have, have the lyrics and stuff like that. Uh, all right, folks. Well, there you have it. Um, have you heard this album? You probably should if you haven't listened to it. So uh, it's it's really, really good. I was skeptical going in, but I think that this is something you should definitely listen to. Again, this album is called Soup by the band Blind Melon. Uh, I li- I just listened to it on on YouTube. Um, yeah, me too. And it's it's solid. So let us know what you think. Do you guys like Blind Melon as a whole? Are you one of those types who were disappointed when this album came out? If you're alive in that era and knew what was going on in that era, uh, since it wasn't as happy and cheerful as No Rain, um, especially if you're in California. Just, you know, if you're in the area and you have any inside scoop as to maybe what was going on with this band at this time, that'd be kind of cool if you could get a hold of us. Uh, Thor, where can they do that? Well, you can follow us or message us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Or you can message us directly via email, via email. I'm never sure. <laughs> That's it. GetRectPod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Yeah. And, you know, while you're at it, you might as well jump on over to Spotify. Jump on over to Apple Podcast. If you're there anyway listening to us, give us a review. All right? We're, our review numbers are going up. We're getting more and more reviews. Uh, but I'm not satisfied with them yet. So if you could give us a five-star review, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, it means very little to you. It means everything to us. Please go out there, like us, review us, rate us five stars. And if you're not rating us five stars, tell us why. Don't just leave us a, like a weird bot message about uh, like promoting this Bitcoin hacker company. Yeah. I'm still stuck on last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, just don't, yeah, don't do that. Just say, hey... Get Wrecked Crew, you're doing pretty good. Or, hey, Get Wrecked Crew, we don't like you at all because we haven't heard you talk about blah, 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 blah. Because we'll take that information and run with it, folks. Oh, yeah. Um, Speaking of which. Yeah. What's our recommendation for next week? What are you giving me? Oh, yeah. So next week, we're going to go to a, I guess it's, I guess it's a series um, on Max, formerly known as HBO Max. Oh, Max, the place where you watch HBO. Yeah, that yeah. place. 
<laughs> there is an animated series called Scavengers Rain. Rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N. Okay. And this is a series about people who are stranded on an alien planet. Ooh. And that's all I want to give you. Okay. This is a series that has somehow managed to capture beauty and also really making an alien world feel alien. So it's like absolutely beautiful and whimsical and at times very terrifying. Okay, cool. So it's, uh, I just stumbled. This is animated, you said? Correct. Yeah, it's an animated series. It's 12 episodes long. Each episode is a half hour or 23 minutes, something like that. Nice. Um, So watch as much as you want and we'll talk about it to the degree that you get finished. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, So yeah, Scavenger's Reign on Max is what we're going to be jumping into next. So until next time, folks. As always. You get wrecked out there. Stay wrecked. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go buy some lampshades at the local bargain outlet. You think they have any leather? Well, there's a guy, Ed, who works down there, and he has a special kind of leather. (laughs) I've heard he's a craftsman. (laughs) 